1,000 years before the scourging and crucifixion of Jesus Christ, God gave King David a vivid vision of that remarkable sacrifice. David recorded this powerful depiction of our Savior in Psalm 22. Learn the big lesson of Psalm 22 next on The Key of David with Gerald Flurry. Greetings, everyone. There is a mysterious verse in Matthew's Gospel, and it's about uh, a prophet that has uh, something to say about uh, this subject that he's in, but it doesn't mention his name, and it doesn't uh, even tell us where his message is in the Bible. It's as if Matthew sort of expects us to know that, I think, or perhaps we couldn't understand it all anyhow. So we need to take a look at that Scripture about this prophet and what his message was all about, because, well, Matthew just doesn't tell us, but he certainly shows us that we need to understand what this is all about. Who is this prophet, and what is the subject that's so important to him? If you look at Revelation 12, verse 9, it says, This whole world is deceived, and 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4 says that this world worships the devil, and Satan is the god of this world. Now, how many people really understand that and believe that? But that is what your Bible says. Let's look at Matthew 27 and verse 24. Here's what it says, When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing but that a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See you to it. You do the dirty work. Verse 29, And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head at a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him, and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit upon him, and took his reed, and smote him on the head. This is verse 33, And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink, mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink, because it wasn't to drink, and it was something they were using to persecute him. But verse 35 has this to say, And they crucified him, and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, that parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture. Did they cast lots? Here he's talking about the prophet and his message, but he doesn't tell us where it is. But we can see very clearly when he's talking about the garments there that that's a verse from Psalm chapter 22, written by King David. So he is the prophet there. He was talking about Christ's crucifixion. That's what it was all about. I'm telling you, this is just an explicit reference to David's Psalm 22, and it's a prophecy about his beating and his crucifixion. You can read that for yourself, but there's 
nothing in the Old Testament that talks in detail about Christ's crucifixion like that chapter does. Psalm 22, and that was one, about 1,000 years before the crucifixion. How did David know all that? Well, we'll see as we go along, but here is the name that we are looking for and the message. It's right there in Psalm 22, and I want to show you the big lesson in Psalm chapter 22. What is, the, what is the great message that God wants us to get out of this? Well, let's take a look at Psalm 22 and verse 18. Verse 18 says, They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. That is what I read to you from Matthew 27 and verse 35. And you can read John 19 and verse 24 and even talks about this even more there in John's Gospel. And there's a lot in other chapters about the crucifixion. Isaiah talks about uh, he was, that he was marred more than any man ever. So it was a crucifixion like we've never even seen before or experienced before. It was that kind of crucifixion. If you look at Psalm 22 carefully, you can see there's more quoted than any New Testament quote from the Psalms. This is the number one quote in the New Testament, and I think we can see why. It has a Passover image, and they're ripping Christ's flesh off and exposing Him in savage and inhuman ways. It all relates to the Passover. Everything David said, I mean, in detail, is said also a thousand years later. It was written especially in the four Gospels. And we need to uh, certainly look at this closely because God is really warning us about this great truth that we need to understand to be able to have a good spiritual life. Notice verse 1 of Psalm 22. Here's what it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring. Here Christ was on the stake or the cross. He had been forsaken by God. What is going on? And he he it was really had shaken his constitution quite a lot in what was going on here. This suffering was not something that was routine for sure. A thousand years ago, how could David really understand this? He couldn't look someplace in the Bible and find it like we can today in almost everything God gives us. One thousand years and having everything just explicit like it was in the Gospels shows that God revealed this to David, and he didn't have any place to, to get it out of a, uh, another book in the Bible because there was nothing there like what he was just writing at that time. And it really is something that David knew he needed to understand. He needed to understand what Christ was going to do to pay for our sins 
and how important all this was. And he was moved by it. And we get into that today in the Passover. And if you'd like to know more about that, we have our booklet on pagan holidays or God's holy days, which. But we want to get the, to the big lesson in Psalm chapter 22, where it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's in the very first verse. Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Now let's take a look at Matthew 27 and verse 46. It says the same thing in the last part of it. He says, In about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice, and then He says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? The same words that David had written down a thousand years before. So God had to be revealing a lot to him, and in, in, uh, in a way that isn't usually revealed to us today. You can check Mark 15 and verse 34, it says the same thing that David said. And then Psalm 22 and verse 7, let's go back to that. Verse 7 says, And all they that see me laugh me to scorn, they shoot out the lip, they shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that He would deliver him, let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. You can see how scornful they are. Let's go now to Matthew 27 and verse 39. Here again he talks about what David did in Psalm 22. Verse 39, And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads, and saying, Thou that destroyed the temple, and builds it in three days, save yourself. If you be the Son of God, come down from the cross. So come down from the cross, or the stake that he was on. And you can see that in Mark 15, verse 29, Luke 23, and verse 35. But this is exactly the way they were persecuting Christ in Psalm chapter 22. If you be the Son of God, if you are, well, look, come down from the cross. Well, now, if he had come down from the cross, it wouldn't have been the perfect Son of God doing that. Not at all. Satan is always trying to twist things around, whether he does that directly or uh, does it through human beings. Verse 43 says this, He trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. He's going around saying he's the Son of God, and they're saying, No, no, you're not. They were, that's why they were putting him to death, because of the message he delivered before them. If the Father will have him, he said, I am the Son of God. So these people had the very mind of the devil at that time. You can see that in Matthew 4, especially if you want to read more about that. But Jesus Christ became sin, and momentarily he was forsaken by God because he became sin. He, he, be, he paid for our sins so that we could enter into God's kingdom for all eternity. 
Now that's how important this is. And if we don't understand it, well, we certainly can't get ourselves into the kingdom of God that way for sure. But just think about the price that Jesus Christ and God the Father paid because of our sins. That is the cost. And God wants us to see that when we sin, that it's not something to take lightly or be lukewarm about. It's, it's about realizing what God had to do to pay for that sin and to make it so you wouldn't have to pay for it and, and uh, die forever. He wanted us, see, to be in His family for all eternity, and He died for us, and God loves us that much. But He says you, you have to see what, what a horrendous thing sin is. It's not something to take lightly, that's for sure. And Psalm 22 talks about this big lesson that's coming very shortly. And verse 4 and 5 says that uh, our fathers trusted in you, they trusted, and you did deliver them. They cried unto you and were delivered, and they trusted in you. See, Christ trusted His Father. And He says, verse 6, But I am a worm and no man. He was just, he just a worm Himself. And we all are, as human beings, if we depart from God, we're, we die just like a worm. That's all life amounts to. Just a, living a little while and you're dead. That's the way it is with a worm. God wants us to understand what He's giving us, this great message. Well, you can go on down, and I might need to read a little of this later if I have time, but uh, he's just showing you here the total trust that Christ had in His Father. So it says in verse 15 that Christ was brought to the dust of death, to the very dust of death. He had to die for our sins, and His bones were protruding from His beaten body. That's verse 17. He was paying for our sins. You can see in verse 22 of Psalm 22 that he praised God throughout all of that horrible beating and crucifixion, and yet he was doing nothing but praising God all the time. That is something to behold. And from verse 22 on to the end of that Psalm, he's doing nothing but praising God in the context of this crucifixion. What a sacrifice for our sins and making it possible for us to be in eternal glory for all eternity. And then he goes on in verse 27 to talk about all the nations. This is for the whole world, whether they realize it or not. Everybody is going to come to know this and understand it because it, the, the sacrifice was for the whole world, everybody who's ever lived. I want to go now to a, another part of this that shows you what this is all about and the big lesson God wants us to learn from Psalm 22. And all of this, of course, was revealed to David. He was a prophet, and God gives new revelation to prophets and apostles. That's 
That's the way it works, only that way. David was a prophet. Notice what it says in Acts 2 and verse 29. Brethren, I may say to you confidently of the patriarch David that he both died and his tomb is with us to this day, being therefore a prophet, and knowing God had sworn with the oath to him that he would set one of his descendants upon his throne. He foresaw and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus raised up, and of that we all are witnesses. They saw him rise from the dead. But these people also, it says down in verse 36, the last sentence there, this Jesus whom you crucified. These people were right there, and they, they crucified Christ. They were, they were in on it. And look what is happening here, and see what they really learned very deeply because of that. And it's also a lesson for us to learn from Psalm 22, and he's talking about that here as well. In verse 33 it says, Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this which you see and hear. For David did not ascend unto the heavens. He says in verse 35, Till I make your enemies a stool for your feet. In verse 36, And let all the house of Israel uh, therefore know assuredly that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. You did that yourself. Now, they were guilty of that, and it was a horrible thing. But you and I are guilty of it too. We've all condemned Christ to his death made Him pay this price if we were going to be in the Kingdom of God. We are all spiritually crucifying Christ every time we sin. That crucifixion has to pay for that sin. Now this is we're getting into the big lesson that we need to learn here from uh, Acts helped us to understand it. But we, we are talking about repentance, and we're talking about Christ being beaten and, and just uh, horrendously suffering in the crucifixion, in the flesh. The Son and God the Father were suffering through all this, and the Father suffered even more because He had to see His Son go through all that, and yet He knew it had to be done. If we, His family, of many sons coming into glory, this is what had to happen. There was no other way. The law had to be kept, and somebody had to pay the penalty, and Christ has done it for us. Notice verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and said to Peter, and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive 
the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all that are far off, everybody, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Him. And He testified with many other words and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Today, you see, he's saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. Is it crooked today? Is there a crooked generation today that we, needed to, we need to be saved from? Well, this is exactly what we're going through today in this world. And we need God's protection, we need His help. These people helped crucify Jesus Christ. And then all of a sudden, uh, Peter began to teach them. God had called him into the truth. And Peter was teaching them, like, you, you, okay, you've cut yourselves to the heart, but now you have to repent and really deeply, profoundly repent of your sins. And so is this true of all of us. This is the big lesson God wants us to get out of Psalm chapter 22. See, we have to see what we have done and what our sins are doing, and it needs to cut us to the heart, and so that we're really aware of what we have done. Like Job saying, well, okay, I abhor myself. After God got through with him, he didn't just say, this is, I, I repent of what I did, but I, I repent of what I am. Jeremiah 17, verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That's what man is. We have to repent of what we are, not just what we did. Until next week, this is Gerald Flurry. Goodbye, friends. One thousand years before the scourging and crucifixion of Jesus Christ, God gave King David a vivid vision of that remarkable sacrifice. David recorded this powerful depiction of our Savior in Psalm 22. Learn the big lesson of Psalm 22. King David understood repentance better than anyone. One thousand years before Jesus Christ, God showed David the sobering magnitude of Christ's sacrifice for all mankind. David learned the vital truth that repentance must be toward God. When humans sin, the one who suffers most is God. Request Gerald Fleury's free booklet, How to Be an Overcomer, to discover the crucial role of real repentance in truly overcoming sin. The subject of repentance is misunderstood by the vast majority of professing Christians today. It involves sorrow, not just for what we have done wrong, but for who we are. Repentance is a fundamental change of thought, word, deed, and desire, an entirely new direction in life. Study how to be an overcomer to grasp the proper method of repentance. Understand how repentance is a necessary weapon in the arsenal of a true Christian as he wages spiritual warfare. Uncover the definition of sin and the glorious law you must keep to prevent and overcome it. Learn about the mighty spiritual power you must possess to achieve lasting repentance and experience abundant joy. Receive the encouragement and strength you need to keep fighting against evil and striving for perfection every day. 
You'll also receive a free copy of our Bible lesson, Passover, the beginning of God's master plan. Each year, members of God's One True Church keep the Passover as the first of seven annual observances that picture God's master plan for all mankind. The Passover pictures the twofold sacrifice of Jesus Christ. In Psalm 22, King David wrote about that sacrifice 1,000 years before it happened. This deeply sobering Bible passage conveys the physical, mental, and emotional anguish Christ went through for you. Study our Bible lesson on Passover to sharpen your vision of Christ's monumental act of love to deliver healing and salvation to every human being who has ever lived. The Passover vision will compel you to walk with God for the rest of your physical life and beyond. Passover, the beginning of God's master plan, is just one of 36 free Bible lessons in our Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. Please consider enrolling in this Bible course to build a right spiritual foundation for a lifetime of success and fulfillment. All our literature is available free of charge at no cost or obligation to you. Request How to Be an Overcomer and Passover, the beginning of God's master plan. Order now. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. All our literature is available free of charge at no cost or obligation to you. Request How to Be an Overcomer and Passover, the beginning of God's master plan. Order now. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. For the free literature, call toll-free For the free literature, call toll-free 
The preceding program was a paid presentation of the Key of David, brought to you by the Philadelphia Church of God.